Hey, what's up guys? It's Andrew. Just before I put this episode out and you hear the intro music, just want to make a quick disclaimer. We did say it was episode 14 for this episode, but it's actually episode 15. So hope you enjoy the episode, episode 15. Spiders have come to Florida and have knocked off the 13th-ranked Gators. Spider victory over 14th-ranked California. Richmond 94, Cal 90. Davis to climb for the dive. Wow! Puts it on the deck. Head fake, shoots. Oh, We are back for episode 14 of the Frontline Fanatics podcast. It has Woo-hoo! been quite some time, almost two months. I think it's like uh, a month and three weeks, but we are back. We wanted you guys to sit on that TJ Klein episode for a little bit. And hey, look, it's the off season. We have jobs. We have things to do. We have lives. But I'm not going to tell you about my life, JP. I'm sorry. We're going to go into this thing. Um, I got my boy Aggie with me, the predictor of the future of Richmond basketball. We're going to talk about that today, but first I haven't talked to you in a month and three quarters, really. What's going on, brother? How you doing? Congrats on the promotion, by the way. Big, big day. Oh, man. Oh, yeah. We're keeping that. We're keeping that on the deal. No, no, no. Um, No, dude. Good. Great to be back. Feels like we haven't done this in forever. We kind of haven't, uh, especially when we were doing it so often, but got a lot to catch up on. Good to be right on something for once in my life uh, about predicting those four back where you thought I was a fool. I thought I was a fool, but we'll get into it in a minute. Hop right into the hot topics. First of all, we've been trying to, we've been workshopping what we want to get into in the off season. So we're like, let's take a little break, see what happens with the transfer portal. Who's going to come back. And now we know we got Jacob Gilliard, Nathan Kayo, Grant Golden, Nick Sherrod, all running it back. As our boy, Andrew Canavis says, we are basically a semi-pro team. The, maybe the oldest team in college basketball probably are. We're running men onto that college court. I'm very excited about it. We really have no excuses this year. Right off the bat, what was your instant reaction seeing that all those guys were coming back, Ev? First and foremost, my instant reaction was Christian Brighton back reached out and called you crazy for saying everybody <laughs> was going to come back. Wow. And look, look who's crazy now, Brighton back. Needed to get that in there. Haters um, in the look, building. My instant reaction is excitement, right? Like, you can't help but be excited as a fan of this team because you know that like we've come to love, come to love these guys over the past four years, even five years now. Like, the fact that Nick and Grant are going to be sixth-year seniors is pretty crazy, like you said. But you've come to love these guys. They've come, at least for a lot of us, to represent what Richmond basketball is, whether, you know, you might think that's good or bad. I'm excited. However, I am cautiously optimistic, right? And we'll talk about it a little bit. But, I mean, one of the things, if you go way back, one of the things that I said at the beginning of last year was, just because you have everybody back doesn't mean you're going to be one year better. And that's what happened last year. I mean, this team was a flat-out letdown last year, right? There's no other way to put it. And I mean, one more year doesn't mean that we're just going to be automatically the team to beat in the A-10. And I frankly think the media, because of last year, isn't going to rank us number one going into next year, you know? So look, you have to be excited. Again, if they didn't come back, the product on the court next year would not have been pretty, just to to, to be nice about it. So you have to be excited. You have to hope that that this is the year. And there's, you know, a lot of different things about each player we can talk about. But no, I'm excited, man. How can you not be? What about you? Yeah, definitely excited. First out. Big RIP to our boy, Blake Francis Harden. Yeah. He will be missed. We knew he wasn't going to come back, but we won't, we won't miss him on the court. But yeah, same. Cautiously optimistic. Beginning of last year, I was saying how, you know, I wasn't super confident just because we had everyone back. And now that we're a year in, I kind of feel the same way. We, we went through a lot last season. So you want to you make yourself think that, oh, because they went through a lot. Now they're really going to be playing harder than ever. They know this is like 
actually their last chance. Last year was technically the last chance. This is absolute last chance. There's not going to be any more COVID years. They're not coming back for a seventh year at 24, 25. So we'll see what's going to happen. I mean, we, we saw Jacob Ko and, uh, and Grant last year. We'll be super excited to see Nick back on the court, hopefully fully healthy, hopefully able to get the most out of his body and what he has left and hopefully project himself onto a, a potential future career. So yeah, it'll be great. It'll be great to see all these guys back together. And, you know, in that video they did for Richmond athletics, they were talking about how much of a brotherhood this was and how much that impacted the decision to come back. And obviously a lot of that is off the court, but as fans, we want to see that, that brotherhood on the court and, and reflected in their play. And hopefully that happens. So I guess we just have to wait and see, but uh, for, who do you think is going to have the biggest impact in their, in their coming back? I mean, that's tough. I mean, what, like when you say biggest impact, I think, I think having Nick out there and who knows how healthy he's going to be, right? I mean, he's, yeah, he's who knows? on two repaired knees. Um, so who knows how comfortable he's going to be, but I think he gives us a very different look than Blake and Tyler, as opposed to Nick and Tyler, you know, some good, some bad. So I think he's going to have an impact just on us looking like a different team from last year and maybe hopefully having some more consistent outside shooting. Um, but look, I mean, I personally have to say Gilly. I mean, I just think this team runs, I know we all say the team kind of runs through Grant and the way we run our offense, but on both sides of the ball, Gilly is just the, the, the spark of everything. And um, we talked about it again, like big props to you for calling that all or four of those five are going to come back. Right. Um, and I, I was pretty set that Gilliard was going to come back after thinking about it. I was just looking up the most recent numbers. I mean, Gilliard, if he plays a full season, will probably, I mean, tell me, call me crazy here, unless the NCAA changes, you know, how many years you can play, he will hold the record for, I don't, like, I can't see how it can be broken. Right. Yeah. Um, so he's right now he's 27 steals shy of the all time record. Um, he has had 89, 88, 99, and 82 steals in his four seasons. Nutty so numbers. You can think he's going to have that record by at least 50 steals. I mean, yeah. that's going to be unbreakable. So the fact that, I mean, you, I mean, this sounds kind of crazy, but you could be 70 years old and still be number one in a college record book is like probably pretty cool. Right. Uh, also, it's crazy. I didn't even realize this, but he averaged 3.6 steals per game last year which is the most in his career, even though that's he only cra- played crazy. Like the fact that he played in 23 games and had 82 steals is insane. So nuts. I think, I think that's the biggest impact. I mean, he's just always been such a fun player to watch. Um, hopefully, you know, KO can continue to take the steps that he's taken in the past few years. And then, you know, Grant, he's going to, there's things we love about Grant. There's things we don't like as much about Grant, but um, you know, you can't argue with the fact that he's, he's a good scorer on the block. He can make those passes that we need him to make. So I mean, look, this team, the starting five is going to be really good or it should be. That's the biggest key, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm, I'm in agreement with you. I'm also, you know, you got to be a little bit worried about the grant injury and how that surgery is going to go and how his hand and, and thumb or whatever it is are going to be impacted. But, um, you know, as a, as a guy on the floor, maybe he's not going to make the biggest impact in the box score, but I'm kind of with you too. I think Nick, just the way he helps space out the floor, unlike Blake, we love Blake, but he's not going to be the guy taking up the ball you know, throwing a couple passes, but ultimately like needing that shot at the end of the shot clock. Like he can take it whenever he wants, but he also knows when the right time to give it up. And he just knows how to play really good defense too. So I, I think for the morale of the team and they, they all look to him as a guy that can, that can make a huge impact too. So I'm with you with, with Jacob, but Grant, uh, Nick as well. Yeah. And I'll say really quickly, it's a good point. I mean, you can look at this positively or negatively. I think I tend to look at it positively. This team, the starting five, um, at least, but probably the whole team, we don't really have any isolation scores, right? And, and that's yeah. kind of the way that Richmond basketball usually recruits and plays. Definitely. But Blake, you could say this was a good thing that if we needed a shot at the end of the shot clock, he was going to take it. But it might have been a force, right, or a bad shot. Now, that starting five, none of those guys are ISO players, right? So the shots that we take are going to 100% 
be the, the byproduct of ball movement, which means they should be more open shots as opposed to off the dribble. So like you said, I think we're, I mean, hopefully teams, I, we saw a couple of times last year, teams would go to zone and it seemed to throw us out if we couldn't immediately knock down shots. So hopefully that, you know, having, having Nick there and if he's still a, a knockdown shooter, um, that'll, that'll be good for us. And it'll be, again, I mean, the offense should in theory look more fluid with Nick in there than, than with uh, Blake in there, I think. Yeah, hundred percent agree. You know, we, uh, we had some of that ISO last year, but next year, maybe we're looking more like the Utah jazz of this year, where it's a lot more shot creation off a ton of passing and hopefully not a lot of turnovers. So we'll see what happens. I'm excited about it. I mean, how can you not be? It's a, it's a long ways from where we are now, but uh, I, I can't wait. I can't wait for the season to, to tip off again, even though it just finished. I know. And look, I mean, I, I was just saying, I, I'm not, um, I'm not just immediately penciling us into first place in the A-10, which no one should do. Tyler is our fifth, maybe fourth option now. That's really good to have a guy like Tyler being that option. So, and if you think of it on paper, the depth now, right? We have the depth that we thought we were going to have last year, right? Crabtree should be healthy. Andre isn't going to be relied on as much. So hopefully he can get back to that role. Jai and Isaiah are one year older. I Matt think. Grace. Yeah, and Matt Grace, he actually warmed up to us a little bit last year. Yeah, so, definitely. I mean, look, this team is, we've got it all, right? You, you can't help but be excited, but look, you got to see how these guys are, what did I say? We're going to have three 24-year-olds and a 23-year-old with like a month to be 24 when the season's over. So it's literally guys our age and we graduated 2018 still playing. Yeah. It's, it's crazy. So hopefully these guys aren't, uh, aren't ready to <laughs> turn the page quicker than we think, but yeah, you can't I, was, be excited, man. I was trying to do just like a floor ceiling analysis of what I think we could be. And it's just so hard because every year is so different in the way that we play, even though it's the same team. So I, I just couldn't even do it personally. Like ceiling, I want to think, you know, maybe we get, one or two tournament wins but floor like you just never know what the floor is going to be with richmond well how do you view the floor like are you viewing floor as what is what is the worst possible scenario yes, yes worst scenario we saw it last year yeah but like i guess it can't really get much worse than that it can't i mean what did we finish we finished seven yeah eight? i think it was eight. eight i think eight yeah i think eight. i mean come on first that's we dropped seven places for <laughs> yeah yeah i mean and look we're seeing you know we don't discuss this kind of thing on the podcast too much, but mask mandates are going away. Things are opening up. I mean, you've yeah. got to think by the time college basketball season rolls around, we're not going to have cancellations for games. And so hopefully fans in the building to help the team as well. Exactly. Yes. Even more hard. important, right? So there's no excuses. Last year, as much as we didn't give it to them, a lot of people still took the excuse of, of last year's season. So yeah, they have no excuses. This is it. I, I mean, you said all those guys were saying one more ride. These are my brothers. I mean, look, it could be really special, right? We could, yeah. we could, we could watch it happen. So, and we have um, all the tools to do it. We got the players, we got the facilities, which I got a tour of, and they were out of this world. So crazy that we have that type of facility. But, well, and we have the uh, same assistant coaches from last year too, right? Oh yeah, definitely. We definitely didn't lose our associate head coach and another assistant that was also head of <laughs> director of basketball operations. But what's up with that? That, that was weird. Make sense, right? That was weird to me. I felt like our guy Marcus Jenkins, who I also think could be Sean Livingston's brother. I think yeah, we used to say. call him Sean Livingston. I always said that, but <laughs> associate head coach at, at UR. He was a Mooney disciple in the last, I think, 14 years, 10 of them he spent with Mooney, a couple of them playing with him at Air Force. You know, he comes to Richmond, he leaves for like Princeton and, and somewhere else, I think, and then comes back. But he was director of basketball operations, associate head coach. Now he's just leaving for Minnesota, which I get. Like a Big Ten program is awesome. That's really cool that you can go to that program. But it was a little weird for me considering he's, been such a Mooney guy. You know, I guess this opportunity was good for him. I, I saw that his wife is from Minnesota. Maybe they wanted to be a little bit closer to home. Totally get it. But this is a guy that I think, I believe it was in a John Goodman anonymous survey from the A-10, was voted by other A-10 coaches as a top five assistant in the A-10. So you see that and you're like, okay, maybe this is a guy that 
can get a job in the A10 in a couple of years, but opts to leave. One of my highlights about him was that that I read in the Chicago Tribune that they decided to to make note of was that he recruits great from Minnesota. And the guy that they decided to highlight as his recruit was Paul Frenshaw, which I thought was hilarious. Okay. <laughs> which I thought was so good. I'm like, okay, well, these guys definitely don't follow Richmond basketball super hard. No offense to Paul. We love Paul, but not the, not the biggest contributor on the court, but yeah, yeah. that was a little bit weird for me. Um, just, just because he was such a moony guy. I thought that was strange, but there it definitely must've just been a better opportunity because I felt like what he was doing at Richmond was, was super impactful. And I felt like he did have a good role there. And then you I, got, sorry, go ahead. Hit it. I agree. And, and you know, it's weird because you think that those guys would stay for this season. Yeah. It could, I mean, it's on paper. It's so easy to think that it would boost your resume. Just the fact of what the expectations are going to be. And um, he knows all the guys he's, he's watched all these guys like grow up on the court and off the court in front of his eyes. It's like, we get one more ride. Let's take a chance. But I must, it must've just been a great opportunity for him. Yeah. Yeah. And look, maybe there's something to it. We don't know, but I mean, those guys have been there for a while. They've both been there. I think the entire time you and I have been at school. Um, yeah, I, th- I think Steve Thomas came in 2015 and Steve okay. Thomas just left for uh, Tony Stubblefield's new staff at DePaul, which was right. interesting to me. I don't exactly know what the, cor- the what the connection is there. Yeah, and he'd look, just been upgraded to assistant coach, like I think last year or the year before. So it was a little bit weird. Um, Minnesota and DePaul are both better programs than Richmond, right? So you can't, you can't be that upset about it. These things happen. I mean, Coach Mooney usually has pretty good retention on his staff. So, um, you know, it, again, it's, it's kind of weird with the, 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 the dichotomy of people, you know, the players staying and then some two coaches leaving. Um, that's pretty big for, for you know, a college basketball staff. But um, we do have already, I think, two hires to replace both of those guys. So um, the first, the, the hire that was announced first was uh, former uh, GW coach Maurice Joseph, which, you know, is interesting. I, 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 I actually like, I liked him a lot. I thought he got, I thought he got shafted at GW, but. I mean, yeah, GW is just a tough program, right? Yeah, and, it's um, tough. You know, he took over after I feel like, or took over right in the middle of when they had like, you know, Watanabe, Kavanaugh, they had a couple of NBA guys. Yeah. Um, but, you know, he, he only had three years there. I think he went to like, it looks like he went to Fairleigh Dickinson for a year and then was at George Mason last year. And then obviously they fired their coach. So good hire. I mean, look, he knows the A-10. I'm sure he's a good recruiter. He's younger than I thought. He's only 35. Yeah, he, um, he was, I think he was one of the youngest A-10 head coaches at the time or maybe yeah. the young, youngest ever. Um, he's also uh, Chris Joseph's brother and Corey Joseph's second cousin. So. NBA family. NBA connection. Love it. The other hire we made, which is, I think is pretty interesting. I've never heard of this guy. Um, the, it was the associate head coach at, at the university of San Francisco, Kevin Hovde, Hovde, Hovde. Well, we're, how, do you, we're, how do you spell it? H-O-V-D-E. We're going to work on that pronunciation. Oh dude, um, this guy is, uh, he played at UR. He played at UR. Yeah. yeah. He's That's weirdly my coworker's best friend's husband. I was working, I was actually working on getting him on the podcast for a little bit. So now it might be a little bit easier. He was uh, on the Sweet 16 team in 2011. So yep, yep. Look, you got you got to love it when we can see it's in the it's in the program. Obviously, that's a step up from uh, from USF. But you know they they made some noise last year when they um they beat uh, they beat uh, UVA. I think it was at the beginning of the season. So you know it was quick. Two coaches left within a matter of two weeks, and we brought these two guys guys in in a matter of two weeks. So staff's taken care of. It'll look a little interesting. Um, but I mean, look, if you're those two guys. You can't really come into a better situation with just the team you're going to be working with and you're working with all veterans, guys who know what they're doing. So um, that'll be, that'll be pretty interesting. Um, and Where did you see that they brought him back? Brought. Uh, Hovde. I missed that news. What do you mean brought him back? Uh, as a coach. Oh, it just came out today. Oh, I missed you didn't that. See it? No, I missed that. I got it. Yeah. I got to text that. Maybe we'll, maybe we'll get him on for the first, uh, first Richmond interview. Yeah. Rostein dropped it today. Oh, damn. Um, I don't think Richmond has actually announced it yet, but Goodman and Rothstein have both announced 
Um, okay. Yeah, so he was an associate head coach. Yeah, I got to um, get on that. Damn. Yeah, and he was the last. Uh, he was, you know, he was the last uh, one of the last fighters to make the tournament, right? So hopefully, yeah. he can help lead these guys back into the tournament. So you know, I have to be happy about it. Um, you know, I think, I think uh, one thing that I am curious about, you know, getting off the coaches thing a little bit is um, we've got those four guys coming back. We haven't heard anything else about any roster changes, roster moves. There's still people entering the transfer portal every day. Yeah. Do you think the roster that we have now is the roster that's going to be locked in for the beginning of the season? Or do you anticipate any more changes um, coming forward? I mean, it's still, I mean, technically it's still early. It's only May, you know, we still see some moves and a little bit later in the summer, but you know, at the, at the max, I see maybe we pick up one guy. I don't really see a lot changing. I feel like we have this core group with guys like a Connor Crabtree who didn't really get their chance last year to be a part of the core group or just in that core rotation. Yeah. So I think, I think they're just like, why mess it up now? Why would we bring in someone who maybe only has one year of eligibility left just to throw them in there and, and kind of mess up the chemistry. But I could see it happening if someone had more than one year, because then it's like, okay, these guys leave and someone else gets to, gets to play a role this year. And then next year they have a little bit bigger of a role and it's, it's kind of their team, especially in a year where we're trying to figure it out, but I don't see a lot changing. I don't really think anyone's going to transfer out. I also don't know how this impacts the roster with them all coming back. Like, will people have to transfer out. Like, will the walk-ons have to be like, we can't have you. Cause you can't, you, you can't just like keep adding people on the roster. There's a number you got to hit. Yeah. So my understanding is this is a senior returners are just kind of like floating scholarships. So whatever normal scholarship number you have guys, those guys are just kind of in addition, but they don't count oh, nice. towards the scholarship number. Right. Which is the only way you can okay. do it. So, you know, we've got, we've got a four freshmen coming in next year, which is interesting. We have, we're, we're basically 10 deep right now. If you look at the roster, right. You've got Gilliard which, which and, never. That right, you never have Gilliard Isaiah at point at the, at the two, you know, slash three, you have Sherrod, Gustafson, Crabtree. Then you've got Burton and Bailey at the three, Payo and Caressi at the four, and Golden and Grace at the five. So it's a nice, it's a nice little squad. I mean, those are those are 10 guys that are gonna play before the freshmen. So, you know, hopefully yeah. the freshmen can get in there. You know, maybe we can either redshirt them or put them in some games against some guys that are blown out. But yeah, this team's seems deep, man. I mean, yeah, I, I don't think you and I would have expected all four guys to come back. And it now it's looking pretty good on paper, but you gotta remember it also looked good on paper last year. Yeah. So can't get too excited. <laughs> I want to ask you though, one last thing about the team. How do you think Tyler feels about this now that, you know, he really had his role increased last year. Sure. He did struggle a bit towards the end of the year and then kind of brought it back. But now that these guys are coming back from last year, plus Sherrod, who he has, who he, he didn't play with last year. Like it's, he's, his role is probably going to decrease a little bit unless Nick's just a defense, like a defensive short spurt scoring guy off the bench. How do you think he feels about that? I, or do you for- not see a big change happening? I, so I see a couple of things. I see his role changing. I see him not having to shoot as much. Yeah. I mean, he shot like a decent clip from three and then he went really cold towards the end of the season. I see him not having to shoot as much because of Nick coming back, which I think will help him. Yeah. I think um, that's a good thing. Exactly. If anything, I think a healthy crab tree could kind of impact it a little bit more than anything because yeah. they're kind of fighting for the minutes at the three. Um, but no, look, if you're Tyler, you were potentially staring at a situation where it was you you know, Isaiah, Andre, <laughs> Crabtree, and like Matt Grace. Like, yeah. You, you think Tyler Burton would have put, maybe he would have put up 20 points a game, but he would have had to take 20 shots to do it, right? So yeah. um, I think he has to be happy about it. And then if he really wants to be the guy, he's still got one more year to do that and be the guy, right? After these guys take off. So yeah. I, I don't see there's any way that he's upset about it, um, unless for whatever reason he like got some very serious NBA draft, you know, prospect and thought he needed like 
one year to be the guy to, to actually make the draft. But I, I still don't think that was palpable enough to really get him on, on boards or anything. Yeah. And in terms of his player development, this probably is the best chance for him to develop as a player, not necessarily on the court in games, but just off the court in practice, learning from these guys and then saying, look, next year's your year. Like we'll try to give you as much as we can this year, but next year we all know you're going to go off just because of the way the, the roster is constructed. So let's try to win a lot of games this year. That's going to help your case. Just saying like, look, this guy's been on a winning team and, and developing some skills. So yeah, I, I, I agree with your point. I just think it's interesting and you know, maybe it's not something he thinks about, but something, something I think about. Yeah. And, and I think if anything, it, it could potentially, um, you know, hurt Jai Bailey at the end of the day. Yeah. Cause like Isaiah, even though Jacob plays the whole game, Isaiah's going to get in to kind of replace Nick to kind of like help on defense, get some steals, be high energy. But now Jai is behind, you know, if you think of him as like a hybrid two, three, he's going to be behind Sherrod, Gustafson, Crabtree, uh, and Tyler. So he's kind of like the fifth wing option that you have. And that doesn't signal a whole it's lot a, it's of playing a tough time. Spot. So, yeah. you know, for a guy that was committed to an ACC program, maybe, you know, maybe he's not, not too excited about that. We don't know him personally, right? But yeah, um, that, that's the only other thing. I mean, that's great. Like a, a guy that was ACC talent, then again, Wake Forest isn't the cream of the crop of the ACC. Him being your, your fifth option on, on the wing is pretty sweet, right? So, Definitely. you know, hopefully that motivates him to be competitive in practice, you know, step up. And, and look, we know we're, we can be pretty certain that, that at some point someone's going to have to step up and play more minutes than expected, right? So, um, it, it's a good problem to have, but hopefully you can just kind of keep everybody, everybody's morale high and everybody in it. Yeah, totally agree. And it'll be interesting to see what the freshmen bring. We'll get into the freshmen in another episode, kind of previewing what the freshmen are bringing, who they are, introducing you to them. But I think I think for this episode, this is kind of what we needed to to get into. The coaches leaving, the players coming back, kind of a weird thing. Just like a weird, I don't know what you call it, opposition of. <laughs> I don't even know. The throw out the dichotomy dichotomy word Evan threw up. I'm gonna yeah, that. was that the right usage? I was hoping. I don't know. I couldn't even tell you what it was, but it sounds right. So it's it, good enough for me. It's one of those like TV buzzwords I just threw in there to make it seem like I know what I'm talking about. <laughs> yeah, we know what we're talking about. We're experts here, right? Oh yeah, man. man. So I, I think we covered it all. I think that was phenomenal. That works for me. No, it was great. Um it, it, I just wanted to catch up on those things. So, you know, episodes will probably still be a little bit more infrequent as we're in the off season. There's probably not gonna be a ton more to talk about until you know, I don't something know happens, something happens. Yeah. Yeah. There's another roster move, but um, no, look, I think if we kind of want to make this be like the wrap on, on season one of uh, frontline fanatics, yeah. uh, the redo, right. I think we both, <laughs> both had a great time. It was fun. You know, I think we reached more people than we thought we were going to, uh, especially on Twitter, yeah. hashtag roll with pride. Um, <laughs> and uh, year two will be bigger and better, man. We're, we're definitely, you know, having TJ on the school and we'll get some more guests yeah. on and um, you know, we'll follow the, the ride as it goes. Right. So, if you, uh, if you listen to F1 and you made it all the way here, we appreciate you. Yeah, we, uh, I really look forward to bringing you some good stuff. And um, and yeah, you know, let's uh, let's let's yeah. hope that next year turns out better than this year. One hundred percent, brother. And I and the hope, you know, ideally we'd love to get all the guys that that came back on at some point in the off season just to get their perspective. You know, not necessarily in the Richmond Athletic social channels where maybe they can be a little more open or, or get yeah. into it a little bit more, and then and then just like preview what's going on and and see what's going to happen happen next year. So. Yeah, it was fun. I, I really enjoyed it. Not that it's ending, but um, we'll, we'll keep bringing you the big stuff when it happens. Yeah, Frontline Fanatics is coming back for their fifth year. So And, and now we're kind, of, uh, we're kind of putting in a little groundwork with the school, with the program. So who knows, who knows what year two could bring when, when people can be back in the building. So we're Good excited point. about it. If there's fans in the stands, we're going to be there for a lot of games, even though we don't live like I don't know how far is the drive from New York to Richmond. Pretty long, right? On a good day, like six, but dude, it's always worth going down there. I was down there a couple of weeks ago, had such a good time. Like it's, yeah. it's, it's really is the best place for a weekend trip, especially if there's a game, we'll do some podcast outside the stadium. Like we'll do some dumb stuff. It'll be dude, fun. We'll get some we'll, good video content. We'll just go into the student section and say where we used to yeah. sit. 
Exactly. You think our boy, the Oscar is only folks. <laughs> Definitely, bro. 100%. You know he'll be there. He's dying to get back. God, I love that guy. We'll get our free food, our free Zaxby's, free Papa John's at the tent. We'll and be a large spread. Oh, always a large spread. And now we can get large beers, too, which is awesome. Dude, I know. We missed out on that, man. <laughs> I know. But, yeah. All right. I think we'll uh, I think we'll wrap it here. Thank you for listening. Sorry it had been a little bit of time, but, yeah. you know, off-season is off-season. I'm sure we'll get another uh, episode out sooner than we did last one, so be on the lookout for that. Um, if you want any, you know, need anything from us, want to say what's up, want to want to ask us questions for next podcast, hit us up on on Twitter, on Instagram, and, and we'll get it done. So thank you everybody for listening, and I'll let Aggie sign us out. Thank you everyone. I think after this episode, we'll be hitting a thousand listens. Huge milestone for us. Hopefully, we keep that going on up, going on up, going on up. Hope if, before, if we don't, if you don't hear from us before then, hope everyone enjoys the rest of May. It has a great Memorial Day weekend to kick off the summer. Hopefully, you will hear from us because we want something to happen. But. Evan's trying to talk about Memorial Day real quick. Mask off summer. It's going to be big time. <laughs> big go, time. Baby. Wait till, wait. You're going to hear future out of every speaker, every car. Mask off. I hope. That's the new <laughs> J. Cole album. Let's hope. Let's hope things get better. Let's hope Richmond basketball gets better. I, find me on Twitter at Aggie All Day. Follow us on Instagram at front underscore fanatics. Oh, fuck. That's the Twitter. At front underscore fanatics. Instagram at Frontline Fanatics. Thank you, everyone, for listening. We really appreciate it. He nailed it. Thousand listens coming up. Thank you, Mom, for being 900 of them. Peace out, everybody. Thank you. Kendall going to take a fadeaway three. It's good, and he's fouled. Green set by Jerome. Oh, Anderson, two more. Hands it off to Brothers. The long three. He switched it. The Spiders have a chance to win. Anthony for the lead. Two. Ray Davis to inbound, underneath the basket to T.J. Klein, who lays it up and in with 1.5 to go. Puts it on the deck, and Fed shoots, blocked! Oh, good play! Finish!